0: So, Integrity's in its fifteenth year of of ministry, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. We've 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 had some we've had some really wonderful people come through uh, the doors of our church. Uh, many of with, which were with us from day one, uh, and and uh, that's a, so incredible to see how they've been patient with us as we've grown and. And um, many, it's others have have uh, moved on to other pastors where they continue to grow and feed and feast on the Lord, and and others have uh, uh, moved on and uh, are home with the Lord. And so we, we've just got so many different uh, um, people that we've had opportunities to engage in, and and so many stories that we've been able to share together, and things that we laugh a lot about. And I remember I was just telling anthony a story this morning that he told me i needed to share i didn't do this in the first service but so here's a snapshot it's just it was like when we first started um, within uh, maybe cup co- first couple of months of the church and we were meeting at the old german hall around the corner and my sons were little at the time gable was an infant so he was in he's off the hook on this one was my other boys and um George Gambino came up to me. How many of you remember George Gambino? Right, what a great, and George Gambino married Betty, and Betty was this prim and proper and polished, never had a hair out of place, makeup was always, I mean, just really like very elegant looking woman, always like, you know, just really, really uh, looked like she took, wonderful care of herself right and so uh one sunday morning george comes up to me and his eyes are like uh got tears in those eyes from laughing so hard and he said i brother i brother actually and george is very intense and so brother i gotta i gotta tell you what happened it's really funny and he said you we were walking through the door and at the entrance of the door we had this big chair and my sons were sitting on the chair And as George and Betty walked in My son said to Betty Hey, smell the chair <laughs> And they said, and she said, really, why? Oh no, just, just smell it And she said, "Oh, does, does it smell like perfume? Yeah, it smells like perfume It smells like perfume And she looks at my son Jonathan And Jonathan goes, nope <laughs> They've been farting in it all morning They've been farting in it and It smells like really, really bad George thought that was the funniest thing in the world and had to tell me about it. I thought to myself, that's funny to you because they're not your kids, right? This is, this is our welcoming team. Welcome to Integrity Church. Smell the chair. And so we've had to reprogram and reassess our greeting team uh, since then. But George just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And, and again, George was one of those super intense guys, um, for, for those who don't remember George or know George, George is a, was a shorter man, when you hear the name George Gambino you get this picture of a very Italian looking man, and that was really George he was a very short and stocky like a little bull, you know, and George was just always so intense all the time, and George would oftentimes come come in and we'd, we'd get lunch together, we'd talk and, and, and he'd always kind of he'd, he'd come up and say, brother and he and he, he's very methodical, very, very brother. Can, can, can I just tell you how good, how awesome God is? And then he'd go on and he'd begin to tell you about the things that God was doing in his life and in his family life. And, and it became a very pat, very consistent thing with George. George would just always make a beeline for me, be like, brother, brother, can, can I just can I just tell you how awesome God is? And then he would just begin to Again, just continue, and it just really became something that I just really, really have come to appreciate about him. George is with Jesus now, and um, I can only imagine how the shadow of God's awesomeness that he experienced on this earth came into full fruition when he crossed on over to the other side and saw the awesomeness of God. I don't know if this happened, but imagine if Jesus met him at the gate and said, George, let me tell you how awesome I am, right? I don't know, but. This morning, can I just tell you how awesome God is. Genesis records, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God looking into the nothingness, looking into the darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was light. I love this picture of a blank template that is presented to us. As we will see our creator begin to speak into existence that which was not From the word of his mouth, God creates ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God creates. He uses no existing resources to create, but out of nothing, God uses the nothingness and creates everything that we have. Note that this was not the beginning of God. But this is the beginning of our beginning, of our understanding of time as we know it. It is not the beginning of God. God is eternal. God never had a beginning. God always is, was, and will be. He is eternal. So what was God doing before he said, let there be light? I don't know. But as we step on over to the other side, Eternity will reveal reveal to us the awesomeness of a God who always was. But at this moment of creation, with the word of his mouth, God spoke into the darkness and the darkness was expelled by the light. Isn't God awesome? Following that extraordinary moment, our Creator began to put in motion all that exists. Moment by moment, day by day, our Creator spoke into existence that which was not. By the very word of His mouth, He created the day and the night. By the word of His mouth, He separated the heavens from the earth the seas from the dry land. On the third day, the earth that he created began to sprout vegetation and plants and fruit trees, but God did it in such a way that these fruit trees and plants and vegetation were made in such a way that they had the ability to reproduce. Reproduce from its own seed that God had placed into this creation on the fourth day God created the sun and the moon interestingly four days after God said let there be light God tucked the sun out there why because the glory of God lit up the world just like the glory of God will continue to light up all things when we're in heaven there will be no need for a sun or a moon on day five, God spoke into existence all of the fish that Carl is trying to catch and Tracy's teaching him how, all of the fish that fill our waters, <laughs> and all of the birds that fill the air. And God designed them in such a way that they too would re- reproduce according to their kind. God spoke it into existence and that creation was given the ability to keep reproducing, keep recreating after its own kind. At the word of his mouth, God accomplished this. On day six, God spoke into existence all of the living creatures that would walk the earth and crawl upon the earth. Like all the others, God designed them in such a way that they too would reproduce according to their own kind. In other words, cattle would produce cattle. Horses would produce horses. Birds would produce birds. Fish would produce fish according to their own kind. Evolutionists say that everything evolved from a single-celled organism that emerged out of a swamp somewhere billions and billions and billions of years ago. They can't seem to point to where that swamp came from or who put that single-celled organism in the swamp. But that's not the only question the evolutionist has got to try and answer. They can't answer or they cannot point to one example of something changing from one kind to another kind. They cannot produce one example of an animal, a fish, a bird that changed in its kind. Oftentimes, they'll point us to Darwin's finches. How many have heard of Darwin's finches? And they'll say, See, this is proof of evolution. No, that is proof of adaptation. That, that, that the birds, the finches, did not change its kind, they still remained birds they just da- adapted to their environment which screams the creativity of God as creationists we recognize and we celebrate that adaptation has taken place over the years and we see that as the design that God put forward to display his creativity that's why we have lions and tigers and cougars and cheetah and puma And leopards, and even those little house cats that Mm -hmm. (laughs) spit up those hairballs that you walk on in the morning because you didn't see it. How many of you own a cat? I hate to break the news to you, you don't own a cat. Nobody owns a cat. The cat owns you. The cat does what he wants, when he wants, and every time he pukes around the house, that's his way of saying, you don't own me. Just saying, right? But you see, they're all of the same feline family. 37 species, of feline, but they're all of the same kind. It just screams of the creativity of God who put different cultures in place and, and the geography of our world is so different and, and, and just the, um, the elevations of the earth and different kinds thrive in different areas and God has designed it in such a way that each of these animals, cats in particular, will thrive in different areas according to the climate they're in. God is awesome. Only God can do that. There's no record, there's no proof, no example of a cat evolving into a dog that evolves into a frog, that evolves into a giraffe. There's not been anything that anyone can point to of the changing of a kind. Why? Because God is so awesome that he created each according to its kind and he, and he put into the DNA of those things the ability to adapt to its environment so that it can thrive all creation declares the glory of God you can't come into appreciation of nature and, and, and the beauty of all of creation without it screaming the glory of God. There is clearly a designer who put this all in place, and He is awesome. He spoke into existence the heavens and the earth, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the livestock, and the beasts of the field. He he created them all simply from the power of his spoken word but the sixth day was not yet complete. There was still yet one more of God's creation that needed to be introduced into this world. Genesis 1 26 says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Speaks of the triune God right there, let us in the plural sense, God is one, yet he is three in person. One in essence, three in person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we see in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Chapter two and verse seven says, and the Lord God formed the man from du- of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Unlike all of the other creation that God simply spoke into existence, this creation was different. This creation was not spoken into existence, but we see God forming and shaping man from the dust of the ground and getting close enough to that creation to breathe the breath of life into his nostrils. God chose not to speak this choice creation into existence but rather to touch, to form, to shape us into existence because this choice creation made in the image of God would have the touch of God upon his life unlike anything else that has been created. God, among many other things, God is personal. He cares for his people, and from the beginning of creation, we see that God's desire is to touch his people. What an awesome God we serve. In Genesis three, as time has gone on, we see that despite God's awesome provision for man, man rebelled violated the law, the commandment of God by eating of the tree. And something new was introduced into the garden that was never there before. Sin enters into the garden and death because of sin. It was the darkest day in history. Man and woman is deceived in the garden, and despite God's clear instruction not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest they die, they disobeyed God, and sin and death were now present in the garden. It was their new reality. But can I tell you how awesome God is? Let me just tell you how awesome God is. Because not abandoning this choice creation, he makes a promise that despite the curse that was upon the earth and upon man because of sin, God had a plan. He would send not a messenger, not a rule book, but he will come in the person of his He will become the solution to the biggest problem. At the appointed time, he would come, he would reverse the curse and restore that which was lost in the garden. Speaking of himself in John chapter three, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. God provides the solution to man's biggest problem in the person of himself, Jesus Christ. History Reveals That as the people of God Awaited their Messiah God Continued to manifest His power to them His presence to them And his promise Upon the people There was a time When the people of God Were in bondage to Egypt God's people aren't To live in bondage They are to live free But they disobeyed God and they were in bondage and God was moving them out from the bondage of captivity that they were in and they were now leaving Egypt and as they are leaving Egypt, they are being pursued by the Egyptians. God had promised to lead them out of bondage to a place of freedom and as they exited Egypt, the Egyptian army was hot on their tail desiring to capture them To destroy them Or to bring them back into captivity And here is the people of God In Exodus chapter 14 They are running from the Egyptians They are in hot pursuit behind them They have the mountains on the side of them And they have the Red Sea In front of them Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever had those moments Where you look and say No matter which direction I look It doesn't look like it's a win for me North, south, east, or west, I see see Red Sea, I see Egyptians, I see mountains. I can't imagine how in the world I'll ever get through. That's, I'm sure, exactly how the Egyptians were feeling as they felt the breath of the Egyptians behind them and they saw the Red Sea before them. They thought to themselves, what's going to happen? The enemy is catching up. The mountains are enclosed around them. The Red Sea is before them and the word of the Lord was to move forward. And you know what happened. As they moved forward in faith, God stepped in and parted the Red Sea and the people of God crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground and as that last Israelite passed over that dry ground, the Egyptians who were behind them tried to follow him on that dry ground and God released the water and, and eliminated the enemies of God. Why? Because God is faithful to protect and preserve and keep his people. He is an awesome, awesome God. And if he came through for them, he will come through for you. These stories that have been preserved over the ages for us to draw from are not just for us to celebrate what God did, but to inform us on what God continues to do. He will come through for you. You. He is never going to be stifled or controlled by the circumstances that you and I face. If God has got to part the Red Sea to get you on over to the other side, He is going to do it. Because He is an awesome God. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. He is dependable, He is faithful. He is present, and he is for you. He is not some distant deity unaware of what you face. He is a very present help in times of trouble. That's what Elijah learned very quickly. You see, the people of God, they were divided and where their loyalty was going to lie do they worship what everybody else is worshipping do they worship baal or do they worship the one true god and here they all are the people of their culture that day they are gathered on mount carmel and elijah addresses them in first kings chapter 18 And he says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? I just love the way that lays out there, by the way. What a powerful question. How long will you remain indecisive? How long will you retard your ability to grow how long will you just limp about between these two differing opinions James says that, it, that, that, that it, um, an unstable mind an undecided man unstable man is is, is um, oh that just lost that one right uh, <laughs> he's unstable in all of his ways a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways And this is a perfect picture of that very thing here in verse 21. He's saying, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. I love that. He stands up and is like, listen, how long are you going to stay like this? Hey, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Crickets, not a word from the crowd. And the people did not answer him a word. And Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 Elijah came to the conclusion That he was all alone Now God will inform him later That he might have felt alone But he was not He might have felt lonely But he was not alone God will reveal to him That I still have 7,000 Who have not bowed The knees, their knee to Baal. But he presents this case Before the people If the Lord is God Follow him If Baal is God Follow him And Elijah figures, you know what? Let's put this to the test. And he instructs the people to go and get two bulls. And he says, let the prophets of Baal choose which of the two bulls they want and let us go and we'll sacrifice to our God and the God who who responds to our cry by fire, we will all recognize that they are the one true God. And they're all for it. And so Elijah says, great, you go first. And so they pick whichever bull they want. They lay it on their altar. Verse 26 says, and they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning." Until noon, saying, "Oh, bell, answer us!" but there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noontime, I love this, Elijah begins mocking them, saying, "Cry aloud, speak louder for for he is a God, either he is musing or or maybe he's." Maybe he's relieving himself, you know? Maybe he, he's in the bathroom, so give him a little time. Just keep crying out a little louder, wait a little longer, let him finish relieving himself. Or may, maybe, maybe he's on a journey, is what, could you imagine how he's like fueling them, right? And he's like, maybe he's just on a journey somewhere, or, or perhaps, hey, maybe, just maybe he's asleep. Maybe Baal has fallen asleep, and, and you need to speak or cry out a little bit louder, and maybe you just need to wake him up. It says, and they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And at midday, as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. But look, there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. I read that the other day and something just moved in my heart. It was just a picture of so many in our world today that while they're not serving Baal, they're serving themselves. And they are trying through every means and method possible to try and find significance and wholeness, and while they might not, while well, they might be cutting themselves or they might be doing drugs or they might be turning to everything else, crying out for some kind of validation, some kind of connection, some kind of wholeness. And they are not there is no voice. No one's answering them. No one is. No one's paying attention. Do you see that what they trusted in, what they leaned on, what they looked to was, was not able to deliver them? No one paid attention because there was no one there. There is only one true God. There is only one who is able to deliver his people And Elijah, after giving them their turn and giving them all the time that they needed, Elijah gathers the people and he instructs them to go to the altar and place some stones, 12 stones around the altar, each of the stones representing the 12 tribes, uh, tribes of Israel. And he laid the bull upon the altar and he told them, listen, I want you to pour four water jars jars of water on the sacrifice. Listen, let's just rule out the fact that anybody can think that there was any kind of spontaneous combustion of this thing, right? And so let's just kind of maybe, because we don't want anybody saying, well, you know what? That bull was a little dry anyway and just, you know, hey, it's a hot day out and maybe just like spontaneously took off. And so he's like, you know what? Go get four huge water jars and pour it all over the sacrifice. And they did that. He says, that's great, now go do it again. And so they go, and they do it the second time. And he says, that's wonderful, now go do it a third time. And so now they've done it the third time, and this sacrifice is drenched. The altar is drenched. The trench around the altar is overflowing. And Elijah calls out, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things according to your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed their burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is God the Lord he is God the Lord he is God God showed himself strong and present because he is an awesome awesome God Wouldn't you have loved to be there that day and see the looks on the faces of the people as God showed up and demonstrated his power and his presence among the people? I love what Elijah prayed in verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. Look, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. All throughout the Old and New Testament, we see the hand of God at work in the midst of the people. We see him deliver the oppressed, heal the broken, rescue the imprisoned, and demonstrate his greatness. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. As we look at the Gospels and we see the many miracles that took place during the ministry of Jesus, we see the power of God at work in their midst. John writes in John 20, verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These things were written that you might know that you have eternal life. So, why am I spending so much time on this today? Because I want you to know that whatever you may be going through, whatever obstacles you may face, whatever opposition appears to be staring you down, the God of the universe is on your side. He will move heaven and earth to deliver you. He said, I am the Lord God, I change not. He is immutable, He is unchanging. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The steps of the righteous are ordered of God. There's nothing that can come into your life that your God cannot deliver you from. Now, that doesn't mean that everything you want God to do is going to come into fruition. It doesn't mean that God is going to keep things from you that you think he should keep from you. But it means this, that all things will work together for the good. If God is allowing something to come in, it's for your sanctification. It's for his glory. And time will reveal that it was the best interest of you and the kingdom and glory of God. How awesome is your God. Well, let me rephrase that. How awesome is your God? How big is your view of God? Too many times we get so up close to the stuff that seeks to distract us that it blocks our view from the awesomeness and the greatness of God. God. Sometimes we need to take a step back and see how God is bigger than the mountain that is standing before us. Don't put limits on what God can do in you and through you. You may feel all very alone like Elijah on Mount Carmel, feeling very outnumbered compared to those who don't believe in the God that you serve. Don't get discouraged. You plus God is always a majority. I want to encourage you today that no matter what you may be going through, the same God that breathed the breath of life into your nostrils is the same God who will walk with you, will keep you, and will carry you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same one who spoke everything into existence. He came for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you, and he will keep you. He will protect you. He will hold you. He will love you. He will teach you. He will carry you over to the other side because God is an awesome, awesome God and I just had to tell you that today Lord thank you that you are an awesome awesome God Lord forgive us of those times that we get so close to the problem that we can't see how big you are it blocks our view of your awesomeness Lord, help us to reflect on your faithfulness from the past so that it informs our present and encourages us for our future. God, thank you that you are a good, good father. You are faithful, and you are true, and you are dependable. And Lord, I pray for each and every one that's listening today. Lord, each one may be going through different places in the different seasons of life. I pray, Lord, that you would give great grace to each one that's finding themselves in the midst of a storm. Lord, I pray that they would see you as their great deliverer in this hour. That, Lord, as we seek you, that we'd find you in the midst of it. And that, Lord, we would just remember that you are faithful and that you've not forgotten and that you'll carry us through. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.